Welcome to this season two episode of the Me Sweet podcast. I'm your host, Donna Peters. I am a career coach for people who want a life, who want to live with what I call a Me Sweet mindset. Just like leaders in the C suite, we need to do three things well in our own personal lives. First, letting our personal core values guide our decisions. Second, keeping our day to day life running smoothly. And third, staying fresh and relevant for the future that we wish to have. Here, our guests balance the aspirational with the practical by sharing tips on what we can start doing differently on Monday to lead our lives with a me-sweet mindset. The number one thing I've learned is that people are amazing if you give them a chance to tell their unique stories. So let's get in there. Today in the Me Suite, I am joined by a dear friend and former colleague named Jason Anderson. Jason is a partner at one of the most premier consulting firms in the world and has a very successful career on all dimensions that you would measure a career. He is also in a dual career family and has two amazing children who teach him things every day. He's going to reflect about life and work. And I think we're all going to leave this episode with a new appreciation for what the next generation has to offer. Jason has been the calm to my pressure at times. He has been the hold on a minute to my let's go now. And I'm really thrilled to spend some time in the me suite. Welcome, Jason Anderson. Thank you, Donna. And congratulations on the success of the me suite. I'm super excited to be here with you today. I want the listeners to know that I have you on video. They won't be able to appreciate seeing you right now, but I'm going to paint Uh a picture that behind Jason Anderson right now is a wall of diplomas. And one of them is his framed kindergarten graduation diploma. Yes. (laughs) With something you're so proud of. The one I'm most proud of, as a matter of fact, I think, Donna, yes. It's it's the largest diploma on the wall, too. It's huge. So it's a conversation piece. Just to paint a picture. So, uh, Jason, let's start where we always start in the me suite with your core values. What are they and how do they drive decisions in your life? So when I think about who I am, it really is sort of first and foremost around my family and being a father to my two kids, Teddy and Lily, who I know Mm -hmm. we're going to we're going to get a chance to talk a lot about. Yeah. And a husband to my wife, Annie, who is a, a foot and ankle surgeon. So she's got a, a really interesting and, and exciting career as well. Yeah. And really trying to balance all of that um, with, with everything going on in the world. And so when I think about my core values that I bring to, you know, to my family, to my friends, mm-hmm. to my workers, I kind of reflect upon my education a bit for my core values. You know, I had the, the great privilege uh, to go to a wonderful um, Jesuit high school in Buffalo, mm-hmm. New York, where I grew up, uh, Canisius High School. And we had a mantra there, and they still do, mm-hmm. that we are men and women for others. Oh. And I kind of think that that's at, at the heart of my core values. That's it. Ah. Uh, I really do try to lead my life. You know, I don't always succeed, but I try to lead my life as someone who is who is serving others. And I, I think I probably always always had a bit of that in my life. My, my, uh, my grandfather was a great role model for this uh, for me for many years. But I think that that was really crystallized during those, those high school years when I was at Canisius, when I was um, spending time with the Jesuits there. Mm-hmm. It really kind of crystallized my, my philosophy and, and I think how I have tried to lead my life as being someone who's, who's here for others yeah. and really trying to help, 
you know, not only myself, but others be, be better. Yeah, it's very elegant and beautiful in its simplicity. What is your philosophy for how you're bringing these core values into the way you work and raise your family? You know, I've been, Annie and I have been married for, uh, will be 20 years this year. You know, 20 years, we've, we've um, you know, we've both been sort of on the, on the journey together since college or college sweethearts and um, had uh, both of us getting off to kind of crazy starts within our career. Myself at Anderson Consulting and Accenture, which is, as you know, Donna, can be very, very demanding. And, and we've worked together for more than a decade, um, certainly. And then Annie going to medical school and doing her mm. residency and getting board certified. And, you know, we, we decided we wanted to get through all of that and get to a point where we could start our family. Yeah. A point where we could, eat, you know, we could take a breath where medical school was done, residency was done, board certification was done. And, and that's exactly what we did. We had a very well sort of planned yeah. out process, you know, and, and as you know, I'm a very well planned out person mm-hmm. generally. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we tried to have a family and, uh, and Annie, Annie got pregnant. And then we, we learned some news when she was pregnant with Teddy uh, that really sort of changed everything. And uh, so we learned, um, you know, about uh, 20 weeks in probably that, uh, that there was going to be a high likelihood that Teddy would have Down syndrome. And, uh, you know, and that was really kind of a a pivot point in, in my in my life. Uh, you know, Teddy was born in 2008, so he's 12 years old now. But just a huge point of of reflection, and you know, you sort of feel like you're you're kind of on you're on a certain path, uh, and then everything changes. And in, and in that moment for us, everything changed. You know, what would our future be? What would his future be? How do, you know how how does this affect us uh, generally? And um, on top of that, with with Teddy, we learned that he was going to have some pretty serious uh, heart issues when he was born as well. So there was a lot, kind of a lot to deal with and a lot to process. And I, I do think that, you know, it was certainly our Annie, Annie's and my relationship, our love for each other and commitment to each other and our values that, that sort of saw us through what was a really difficult time. I'm pleased to report Teddy, Teddy uh, you know, came into this world in, in August of 2008. Um, he did have uh, open heart surgery shortly after he was born, a couple months after he was born to correct uh, a pretty serious heart defect. And, uh, you know, we've been just kind of living and learning with him uh, every yeah. day since. And he has a, a younger sister, my daughter, Lily, who's going to be 10 years old soon. Yeah. And between the two of them, um, they're, they're just two, two amazing kids. And, and, I think what Teddy has really taught us, and I think he's taught everybody who he who he's ever come into contact with, mm-hmm. is that you just you you can't judge people and uh-huh. you can't limit people. And um, you know, Teddy Teddy's a, a a young man now who mm-hmm. who will not be limited. Um, he wants to try everything, and he and he is able to you know he succeeds at everything that he tries to do. Yeah. And he just, he astounds me. He, he plays the cello. He plays the piano. He is in a, an inclusive seventh grade environment. Mm-hmm. He has um, good friends and, and he struggles with all of the things that a, a normal 12 year old does. Yeah. But it's, it's just been, it's been a remarkable journey with him and with my daughter, who I think has, mm-hmm. has um, the two of them are best friends. They're their biggest champions and and cheerleaders they lean on each other for support Mm -hmm. um and i I just couldn't be prouder of the two of them and so it's 
this moment 12 years ago that was this this pivot point in my life where we sort of didn't know where we were going next has just led to the most remarkable and wonderful journey for us. And I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. You warned me we may hear some cello or piano in the background of this recording today. So <laughs> there, there may be a little cello. So we might there be able be. to, they, they do play on request. So. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, I can only imagine when you wake up every day to go to work, you're taking with you all these experiences from Lily and Teddy. Are there some that come to your mind where you, you find yourself showing up at work different and better because of what they're teaching you? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I do think that I, I find that my experience um, as a parent and, and, you know, especially raising Teddy gives me a lot more patience and mm. empathy mm. Um, because I think what it leads you to realize is that, you know, everybody has just massive potential. Mm-hmm. It's a question of like, how do you, how do you unlock people's massive potential? How do you take away the barriers that they have, mm-hmm. the negativity that, that surrounds people and, and, um, you know, really try to find a way to, to accentuate their strengths. And so I think for me, it gives me a perspective because I know that there are some things that, um, you know, the Teddy is, is, extremely good at and he takes to immediately. Mm. He's got an, an outstanding memory. Mm. He's got an excellent mind for languages wow. uh, and vocabulary. Yeah. And so those things, he, those things are very, very second nature to him, but, but things like maybe mathematics are more difficult. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's, that's an, we, we all have these things where there are some things that feel totally natural to us and we're great at and energize us. Mm-hmm. And then there are other things that we have to do personally or within our jobs each day that we find difficult that we, that we want, we'd rather avoid. Yeah. And I think it's a it's about not letting those more negative or things define us, but focusing on what's um, what what energizes us, what we're great at, and and I think in a lot of ways that's what I that's what I try to bring to my work and my personal relationships is is maybe a bit more empathy than I had certainly before I met Teddy. Yeah, I think that you have more empathy in your big toe than I do in my entire body. I think I've learned a lot from you on that dimension. So I want to probe a little bit more on the topic of diversity and inclusion, inclusion and diversity, equity and inclusion, whatever is the latest way to describe it. It, It's obviously a priority in the workplace. It is gaining more and more attention as it should be. How are you as a father of a child with Down syndrome different in the way you think about diversity and inclusion in the workplace? Are there things that you you believe that you're looking at the world differently that you would say, Donna, I want to educate you on X, Y, Z? Yeah, I've, I have a different lens on inclusion and diversity than than probably mm-hmm. many people do. Mm-hmm. Now, p- part of that brings me to you know I'm I'm our uh, we have these different employee resource groups within Accenture. Yeah, which are communities that you know, come together around um, you know it could be around uh, any any number of topics, and so. Mm-hmm. I'm our um, executive sponsor for our disability employee resource group in in Philadelphia, for instance, and that that was a role that I took on, inspired by by Teddy, because um, and probably before Teddy, I'd never really thought about how many people have, you know, sort of visible and and hidden disabilities. Yes, and how much that plays into 
you know, kind of how, how they engage and, and also how much that limits um, individuals uh, and what they're able to do sometimes, N- not because they are limited, but because yeah. we, we impose limits or expectations upon people that don't necessarily apply to everyone. And, um, and if we could find ways to remove some of those expectations, we could un- unlock the ability of, of, um, of so many more individuals. Right. You know, I, I worked quite a bit with an individual who, um, who was losing his sight, uh, mm. due to a degenerative disease. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a, uh, a computer programmer and you sit in front of a keyboard all day programming and you lose your sight, you know, what do you do next? Wow. That is a question that I just, I don't think most people or most companies really think about on a daily basis when it comes to, you know, uh, inclusion and diversity or just general workforce management. But that's, yeah. you know, that's something I care about and, and try to, try to help. I, I've worked also a lot, uh, with our, our military ERG and military recruiting. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I certainly have a lot of family members that have served in the military. I, I personally did not, mm-hmm. you know, but I think I, in, in a lot of our veterans, I see a group of people with this massive potential, you know, for companies like Accenture and for companies yeah. like our clients. Mm-hmm. But the integration of those people from a military setting into a corporate setting isn't instantaneous. It's not something you turn on and turn off. Mm-hmm. And so that's an you know, in terms of inclusion and diversity, that's another angle that I take. Where we have, you know, how do you unlock the potential of of a group of people like that, and um, you know, sort of help to pivot their skills and their way of thinking into a into a corporate setting. And and I, if if I sort of go back, I think a lot of that is driven by the fact that I. I just think differently about everyone because of Teddy, because right. I see the the way that we unlock his potential by thinking differently about him. And I and I think that everybody and everybody needs that, you know, whether mm-hmm. whether you're a part of an underrepresented group or not. I think, you know, everybody needs help unlocking their potential. Yeah. I know at work we would have these women oriented groups and you would go and it would almost be all women and maybe one or two men out there. And I was always thinking that's odd. I, I want I want more of the men to come to the women's interests groups. Yeah. Is that similar in the work that you're doing with the people with disabilities group or the veterans group where they have the similar experience, but you wish other people like Donna would join the yeah. people with disabilities group or Donna would join the veterans group? I think that's absolutely the case. I think mm-hmm. a lot of the employee resource groups, uh, they attract people who have that common experience. Sure. And for the disability group, you know, some of our members have uh, visible or invisible disabilities. Yeah, um, many of us are caretakers of uh, you know children, parents, uh, siblings that have disabilities. For instance, I see. You know, one of one of the nice things that I think the, this uh, employee resource group concept fosters is mm-hmm. the different ERGs tend to mix together, and we do a lot of things together. And so, mm-hmm. while we're the disability resource group, we work a lot with the veterans ERG, with the African-American ERG, with the LGBTQ ERG. And so I, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of mixing and and I think that there's a lot of common experience within individuals across these ERGs. Yeah. You know, I, I think on that note, Donna, I think, you know, one of the biggest things for, for people who are in a part of any group, however you define um, yourself across any dimension, is is the need to feel inclusion. Yes, and to interact with people who who share elements of your experience. Mm-hmm. And and as as a parent of a child with a disability, 
you know, you, you when, when you learn something like that, um, like we did, you feel like you're, you're a, a group of one all of a sudden that there's nobody in the world who shares this experience with you because, you know, up until that point in my life, I didn't know anyone who shared that experience with me of, of, um, of having a disabled child. And so I, and what I found going through that experience was that interacting with people who had that shared experience was, you know, the number one factor in, um, you know, trying to plot, plot the future and, and, and look to the future. And so I think that, I think that groups like that share, kind of share that connection. And to your point, Donna, I, I think we want more people who, you know, who aren't like us to join into those groups because yeah, to learn, to and learn and appreciate. And Exactly. And, and to create that kind of cross-pollination. Do you prefer uh, disabled or differently abled? Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that I, I would say either. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we, it, it, yeah, it's so, it's so hard to, to, t- to talk about, is it differently abled? Is it disabled? Mm-hmm. You know, we, you know we, we typically talk about about Teddy, you know, and, and maybe uh, versus his typical peers. And so we, we probably okay. place less of a label on, on um, you know, on him and more just to say that there's Teddy and then there's there's his typical peers. OK. Yeah. I, and I do think it's very it's, it is very individual yeah. as well, um, because I think a lot of a lot of people with different disabilities certainly don't identify as as being disabled. Right. Um, so yeah, I think differently abled is a, is a a better word personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is there anything in this time of quarantine and the experience that you've had with your family and being at home more, has your family started any new rituals or traditions or anything that you're going to continue post COVID? A couple of things. I Mm -hmm. mean, the, the, the new tradition is, is school at home. (laughs) So yeah, heard of it. I'm, uh, and, and actually, we 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 may continue doing some of that uh, post COVID. So, yeah, the challenge is again with you. You mentioned my, my wife Anne is a is a foot and ankle surgeon. Uh, she works part time. She works three days a week. And so, right now, one of the things we're trying to balance is how to continue to educate the children while she's working, while I'm working. We have a little bit of help doing that. Right. Yeah, but the homeschooling has has kind of become a little bit of a pattern for us and. It's been somewhat eye-opening, you know, homeschooling our kids for the first time ever and, and just being a bit more involved in their curriculum. You know, one of the big takeaways for me is, you know, my, my daughter, Lily, um, she's a fourth grader. She does a wonderful job. She's super structured. She has her office in my dining room. That's now, that's hers <laughs> for the rest of the year, probably. Okay. Um, and she tends to sort of, you know, crank through her work and get everything done diligently. But of course, Teddy, we can't set him in front of a computer for four hours and say, figure out what you have to do and, and get it done. So, so we're obviously very active in his education. And I think we're pushing him, frankly, at, at a pace that he likes to be pushed, which is much, much higher than what he would get at school. And I think it gets to the expectations point of view that we have different expectations. We have high expectations. He always meets them. Yeah. And I do worry that when he's, you know, when he's in a typical school environment, people don't have high expectations. Wow. And, uh, and I think so, so it's been a revelation that I think he, he learns a lot more. He's much more challenged at home. Yeah. And it'll be hard to think about even sending him back to school because I think he's, I think he's learning more at home. So, so homeschooling is one ritual. The other ritual is, uh, bonfires and s'mores. We have a lot more time at night to do yeah. bonfires and s'mores. 
So we do that surprisingly often now. I don't, I don't know how that became a thing, but we seem to do that every, every week or two. Oh, that's perfect. And the weather's getting better for that now. Exactly. Cooling down. You gave me chill bumps about people rise to the expectations that you have for them. Absolutely. I think that was really, really powerful. And I think we've seen it not only with Teddy, but you know, mm-hmm. Donna, you and I have seen this in 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 our professional yeah. careers. Is mm-hmm. we can accomplish really unbelievable things together. People always rise rise to the occasion when they're given that opportunity, and and importantly, when they're given the the belief and the confidence. Right? Nobody nobody rises right. to the challenge by being told that they did a lousy job and they should do better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people rise to the challenge by having belief in themselves and in their teams and. Yeah. And it's just as true with raising kids as it is with working within a team. Yeah, it's very insightful. I feel better about the future with Lily and Teddy in it. So I do too. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to be taking for... care of me someday. So <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, thank you for telling their story. Uh, can we switch to the last question? I like to ask the guests, which is: Is there any advice for our Me Sweet listeners? Something that you would recommend we start doing differently on Monday? Yes. And, and I am, I'm thinking of a, a piece of advice or an activity, Donna, mm-hmm. um, that I was introduced to, I think, with you during a meeting. Okay. Uh, and the person who, who introduced me to this was Jean Becker, someone ah. uh, whom you know very well. Uh, yeah, and is a she's very amazing. Amazing, inspiring leader at Accenture. Yes. But she led us through an exercise. She said, okay, everybody close your eyes. Mm-hmm. Take a few deep breaths. Empty your mind. And think about, think po- like a positive thought about you and who you are. Mm. So drain the negativity out of your mind. All of the voices that are telling you that you're not good enough, um, that you did something terrible, that you mm-hmm. should have done something different in, you know, in, in your personal life, in your work life. Mm-hmm. And tell yourself what a great person you are. Mm-hmm. And and I I did this, and I have to say I it was almost like an antidote for all of the negative thoughts that were going through my mind. Wow! And um and I I've I've taken that little exercise. It takes one minute. Yeah. And I I do it every morning. I I used to do it. You know, pre COVID, I would drive the hour to work. Mm-hmm. I would park in the parking lot, turn my car off after listening to the news or whatever, being on conference yeah. calls for an hour. And I would sit there, I would close my eyes for one minute, empty my mind, and I would say to myself, you know, sort of my, my positive affirmation, which is, I'm a wonderful father, I'm a great yeah. husband, I'm a good leader to my team, mm-hmm. and I'm a good advisor to my client. Yeah. And I would literally just say that to myself, and I can't tell you what a great antidote to all of the negativity that you get in a, in the day that that is. So if there's one thing that mm. I would suggest people give a shot to, and there's probably some people out there rolling their eyes at this right now, <laughs> give it a shot. It takes one minute yeah. of just affirming what a, what a wonderful person you are and everything that you have to give. Mm-hmm. And it only takes one minute. So you absolutely have time to do it and it costs no money. Exactly. Wow. I'm going to add something to your list, though. I think you're a wonderful friend. And you are a wonderful friend, too, Donna. I appreciate your friendship over the years. We've had, mm. um, I, was, I was thinking about this call today, Donna, and thinking yeah. about the time that we, we snuck out to see Hamilton in New York. Uh, <laughs> and my wife still hasn't forgiven me for going to see Hamilton without her. Yeah, you knew she wouldn't. I knew she wouldn't. <laughs> I knew there was a risk uh, when we did it. But yeah. um, 
but you, you've been such a wonderful friend over the years, Donna, and such a wonderful advisor and listener. And, uh, you know, it's truly rare and wonderful to have a friend like you who can, um, who can listen and make me think differently mm-hmm. and listen, not judge and, uh, and make me think differently. So thank you. Well, I had to start this podcast just to have an excuse to get on the phone with Jason Anderson. It's been too <laughs> long and I really appreciate you joining us in the me suite. This is Jason Anderson, everybody. Thank you, Donna. to the podcast and give us five stars if you like what you're hearing and learn more about the me suite career coaching and professional development at themesuite.com it's the dash me dash suite.com suite is spelled like executive suite this is donna peters and i thank you for having me in your ear right now find me on linkedin facebook and twitter the me suite a source of power for the life-minded <laughs>